Father God, we just thank you for you. You are the whole reason we're here together. We are so, so grateful for God like you, that you're so personal and so real. And Lord, uh, I feel extremely inadequate right now in sharing, and, and there's so much that could be shared, but so little time. And Lord, um, you know what each one needs. Just really pray for the right words of what you want shared, Father. And we just pray, even if it's not what I share, that your Holy Spirit will speak to every heart. Minister to these people, Lord. Give them just what you know they need right now. That they'll go home knowing that you spoke to them, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for blessing each one in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Talking before about um, dating, (laughs) relationship, how to find the right person. I, I know um, with my sons, it was easy, which I never realized this till I had sons, that, that it was a problem. I know it's a problem for girls, uh, but they can easily get led into the wrong relationship by a very outgoing girl if they tend to be shy. And to encourage you to read Proverbs, to read it over and over and over again, <laughs> Proverbs really helps you to not just know the the right kind of person to marry, but just about all of life, how to live life and how to deal with your finances and and on and on. Um, In your handouts, you know, a lot of people ask and say, you know, share how you do your devotional times. I don't know if that's an interest, if you you struggle with your devotional time, but there, there was a pastor in our conference a few years ago and he was very active for God. He was seeing many people one to Jesus. But yet, uh, he was a different man when he was at home than he was at the church. And he was depressed and grouchy, irritable. And one of his family members said to him one day, you know, you're, you're so happy at church and, and smiling at home. You're depressed and grouchy. What's up with that? It, does, you know, it doesn't fit together. And he um, took it to heart and started praying about it. It was at a time when his church was doing 10 days of prayer. I don't know if any of you do the 10 days of prayer with us that we uh, have from at the GC. We produce materials every year that are really beautiful. We have a, a couple that write them for us and that really pray over them, and they're life-changing. And we did a whole... And all of these series are on our website on revivalandreformation.org. Our handout, this is a condensed version of the bigger handout that's on there. And, but there's a lot of resources uh, on that website that you might want to look at that could be a blessing to you. There's ebooks that you can download also. And so he told the 10 days, the, the people, the church members that came out for the 10 days, he said, would you pray for me? I'm in a dry place in my life right now. And they said, yeah, we we will pray for you. They love their pastor. And so they really started praying for him. And he started praying. And he um, decided instead of using his devotional time to prepare his sermon, he usually would prepare his sermon, he decided he was going to use it instead just to spend time with God. And he started doing that. And God led him as he did that. He started saying, God, help me to love you. Help me to know you love me. 
And I don't know how it is for you, but I, I went through years ago a hard time in my life and, and then God started pushing on me to spend time with him. And uh, this was, um, what, 30 years ago this happened. It, but it was uh, amazing how God does not give up on us. I don't care where you go or what you do in your life, but God will keep pursuing you. He's not going to give up on you. And uh, whatever you get involved in, it, it can be bad because it leaves scars and things you, you'll regret the rest of your life. But God will not give up on you. He will continue to pursue you. Uh, and remember, I, I don't know if you were there this morning, but I was sharing about uh, Bible promises and other things. Do you know, this, this woman came up to me at a evangelistic meeting down here in the Southern Cal somewhere, and she, it was evangelistic training seminar. She said to me, she said, I went to Loma Linda and I was wanting to live the worldly life, but my girl's dean kept trying to reach out to me. And before I graduated, when I was graduating, she gave me a Bible as a gift. And in that Bible, she had highlighted all of these promises from God. And she gave it to me. And of course, I was not interested in the Bible. <laughs> But she says, I kept it. She had my name engraved on it. She'd written a special note to me in it. And she said, I kept it because I loved this dean. You know, she loved me and, and it meant something to me. But I didn't want to read it. She went her worldly way and life got really, really bad. And she was absolutely desperate and did not know what to do. And at that time is when she saw the Bible and pulled it out. She still did not have a relationship with God. She hadn't even asked God to have a relationship. She didn't know if she wanted him, but she started in her desperation to take that Bible and to claim the promises in it because she was in financial trouble and relation troubles, all kinds. And she said to me, she said, you know, I didn't know God. I wasn't living for him, but I claim, pray these promises and God kept blessing and working things out for me. We serve an amazing God. And do you know, out of that, she did become converted and became on fire for God, became kind of a lay evangelist. Uh, but God's word is powerful in what he wants to do for us. So this guy, he starts spending time with God every day. And out of that, he, his life changed. But what he learned was it's not just about spending time with Jesus every day. And that's another thing. You know, maybe you're not a morning person. Maybe you try to get up, you ask God to wake you up, but you still don't get up. And, and then, you know, you know what happens? Satan overcomes you with sleep, tries to get you to sleep. And then you oversleep. You don't have that time. You're rushing off to go to school or to work. And then you're kicking yourself all day long because you didn't do it. I would like to encourage you, just find some time and do it. Even if it's only two minutes, three minutes, spend Whatever you can do with Jesus, just a little bit, just spend that time. If it's only reading one Bible verse and just praying a little bit and just saying, God, help me to know you. Help me, Lord. Uh, just spend a little bit. If you keep doing that, it will grow. It'll grow and grow uh, as you do it. And so what Dale found, though, was it isn't just about spending that time, but it's about abiding in Jesus all day long. And God started teaching him how to do that, to abide in Jesus all day. Well, his life changed so much that he goes to Jerry. Jerry at that time was the conference president. And he said, he asked Jerry, could I share at camp meeting my testimony of what God's done? And so Jerry said, sure. 
And so he uh, comes to camp meeting and shares and ends up doing a seminar on it. And so in your handout on page 11 are just some steps that God led him to. And, you know, these were things God had already led me to do, but I had never, you know, written them down. And I just found it good, so we copied it and put it in this booklet. But it says, dedicate the first hour to making yourself emotionally available to Jesus. Now, you may say, I don't have a whole hour. Well, whatever time you got, just dedicate that time as much as you can to making yourself emotionally available to Jesus. How do you do that? What does this look like? It's, it's just somehow, whether, whether you go for a walk, whether you're, you sit on your bed or you're lying on the floor, whatever, just saying, God, I need you right now. Will you just speak to me? Will you love me? Will you help me to know you? Will you speak to me through your word? And you see, Dale writes here, number two, he used the gospel of John. See, this is for somebody who's just beginning the experience with Jesus, you know, how to do this. But use the Gospel of John or Desire of Ages or the Psalms or one of Ellen White's devotional books or Andrew Murray's book, Abide in Christ. I don't know if you've ever read that, but it's, it's very, very helpful. It's something that you can read and reread and reread. And, but in, in doing this, um, when, when I first started trying to spend this time with God, um, for me, it was it just, you know, I'm not getting much out of this. Uh, God, are you really here? Uh, Lord, what do I read? And I'd have an idea, read Isaiah. And I think, now is this God? Is this not God? Uh, what should I do? I mean, do any of you experience this? Or, or you go to spend the time with God. You pick up your Bible and you start getting these thoughts. You know, this really isn't interesting. It's so deep. And I have so little time. I, I don't have much time. Um, and I need lots of time. There's so much of, to read and to study, to really understand. And, and I'm so sinful, you know, I need to read the whole book for it to help me. And there's not enough time this morning. And besides that, it's boring reading the book. Do you get those kind of thoughts? I want you to know many people get those thoughts and they're coming from Satan. It's not you that's thinking these things. Satan is doing this in you. You start getting those thoughts, press all the more to read God's word. Even if you can only read one verse, God can do more with one verse than if you read chapters and chapters, if you will meditate and let God come in and change your life with that one verse. And the the third one is have no agenda, such as reading through the Bible, study a presentation, completing a book, but only to seek and experience his love. You know, I, I found God will lead me in different ways with this. Sometimes I've said, God, what should I read this morning? Should I read what I continue, what I've read yesterday? And sometimes I've had God say, you know, why don't you study the Sabbath belief or the second coming or something like that? And I'll get out. I've got this big book by Mark Finley that uh, goes through all of the doctrinal beliefs. And, and I'll use that to just do a whole study on the second coming. And that's a beautiful way if it's what God's leading you to do, but, but to let, you know, God lead you. And, but if you doubt and you think, oh, I don't know if he's leading me to do something or not, well, just go with what you think that's happening. And a lot of times, one of the things that can happen when people think about spending time with God, they think about, oh, I've got to pray through a long list of prayer requests. No, that, that's not the time to do it. 
You ever heard of George Mueller? George Mueller was a pastor and George Mueller would go around and visit his church members and he'd say, how is your time with Jesus? And they'd say, what time with Jesus? I have to work 14 hours a day to put food on the table for my family. And George got discouraged. So he quit the paid ministry and started praying, God, what can I do that you will give me income just by putting you first, by praying? God led him to pray for an orphanage, to have orphans. And so he didn't tell anybody, he just starts praying for an orphanage, a building. And uh, I don't know how long he prayed, but God ended up giving him a building. But then he realized, I don't have any orphans. So he starts praying for orphans. And one day, orphans start coming down the street. People are leading them to his building. So he's now got a building. He's got orphans. Uh, he must have prayed for staff because, you know, and now he has staff. You know, you have all of these three things. Do you know what you have? You got a lot of problems. He's having to pray, Lord, give us food. We need food, God. Yeah, we need to pay the, the utility bills. We need this. We need clothing for the kids. God, we need this. And his worship times that had been so beautiful, where he just really was experiencing a love relationship with God, became a drudgery because he had all these things he needed that he needed God to do. So every morning, he, in spending that time with God, it was immediately, oh God, we need this. Lord, we need you to do this. We need this, God. Please, God, help this person to get along with this person and help this child to be converted and on and on. And you know what happened to George? This man who had a beautiful experience with Jesus, it dried up. It became meaningless. And he started praying about it, thinking, what's wrong with me? And then he realized... He's doing it wrong. You don't start out with all your requests to God. You start out, what George started doing is getting happy with God. The first thing you want to do is get happy with Jesus. And how George would do that, for him a lot of times he would walk with his Bible open and, and would just meditate and read it as he slowly walked through a meadow, a field. Uh, that doesn't work for me. I sprained my ankle doing that. And so I, I have to be careful when I walk. Uh, I'm very klutz, klutzy. And, but but I, what I do, and I know others do this too, is we spend that time to get happy in Jesus. You want to get happy in Jesus. That's the most important thing. How, how do you do that? Um, for me, it's just to start reading God's Word. And as I said, I just methodically, and I know George Mueller did this too, keep reading through it. But if I'm in the middle of a chapter that's on wars and things, it's not very fulfilling. <laughs> but yet, even if you just read that, or if you just read Leviticus, the power of God still comes into you because it's God's Word. No book can do for you what God's Word does. His, you may not feel it, you may not think it's happening, but it is. His life, His healing power, His grace is coming into you. When, when you read that Word and meditate on it, and George um, um, would, would read and just let God lead him as he read. And, and I started, was doing that too, uh, or still do that, and just let God lead you to praise him, to give him thanks, uh, maybe to confess a sin. He may lead you to confess, or he might lead you to, to pray for somebody else, or he may lead you to just meditate on this passage and how it applies to your life, or what he wants you to learn from it. But, but the point is, let God lead you as you read. Uh, 
don't, don't just think, well, if I, I read this chapter today, you know, I'm done. I, I'll read this chapter today and say a quick prayer and I'm done. That doesn't go anywhere. It, it needs to be a time of just waiting on God and, and letting God uh, speak to us through it. And, and, and you may not sense him talking to you. The way he talks best to me is through the Bible and the things I read. I know if you have any questions, if any of this is confusing, really, uh, you know, want it to be clear. But so I was having years of enjoying God, but it took it took like three weeks of me spending time with God every day. And I'd say, God, make your word interesting. God, show me that you love me. Help me to love you, God. And, you know, I I was doing this and I I told God I would commit an hour a day to him if he would wake me up early enough to do it before I had to get to work or or do what I needed to do that day. And God started doing that. would get me out. And I um, it just wasn't that meaningful. But about three weeks later, one morning, I was to get up to spend time with him. But I slept in a little bit longer than I should have. You know, he'd woken me up early. And, and I didn't. So I got up and I tried to read and pray, you know, rush through it because I wanted to go do something that I love to do. And I started to leave to go do it. And I just sensed God saying, no, stay longer with me. Stay long. I said, no, 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 I, I need to go. And what it is, it's walking. I need, I need to go walk. Otherwise, I'll fall asleep in church today. You know, I'll have a headache. I need to get out in the fresh air. And But as I'm tying my tennis shoes... And, and getting ready to leave, and I just felt this urgency, stay, stay. Now, I don't hear voices, but it's just those thoughts, those emotions in your mind. And as I went to put my hand on the door to leave, I suddenly had this picture of Jesus on the cross. And I knew God was pulling me to stay. So I did. And I, I that time, I just knelt down on the floor with my Bible. I said, okay, God, I'll fall asleep in church today, whatever. I'm going to spend this time with you. And do you know, God started pouring out his grace on me. The Bible started speaking to me in ways that I'd never experienced before uh, of God speaking to me through the word. Do you know what I mean? And, and it just took me to a whole new level with Jesus. And, and as I'm experiencing this, and for several years this had gone on, and, and my son Zach, you know, he'd gotten converted, and he got this idea for the whole family that we'd read through the Bible together. That way that when we're together, uh, we can have it, we can discuss the same thing because we're reading all the same thing. And I thought that's a great idea. So he found a Bible reading plan on the internet and we started all doing this. Well, this Bible reading plan was to read the Bible through in one year and it would have like read five chapters in a day. So I started, okay, I've got to read these five chapters and I'm just reading, 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 reading really fast to get my chapters read. And you know what happened to me? It's like my experience with God just dried up. And I thought, what's wrong? You know, I'm reading God's word. But what I finally realized, and, and I think my, Zach and his wife Leah, some others said the same thing had happened to them, was um, when you're so intense on just reading, 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 you're not stopping and waiting and listening to God to speak to you and meditate through each verse. And at least that's the way it was for us. Uh, number four, Dale says here, pray my mind knows you. You love me. 
Now I want to know it with my heart. Possess me, embrace me, overwhelm me with your love. Live in me. Thank you for loving me. And number five, pray, read, listen, write. Pray, read, listen, write. You know, and this may change for you. You may have music involved in yours. Maybe you're a musical person and a way for you is, is to play an instrument or the piano. You know, I, I don't think there's one set way of how to spend the time with God. But what's so important is so many people say, oh, yeah, I'll spend time with God as I'm uh, doing something else or whatever. I don't know. You got to be sure you're hearing God and listening to him and letting him change you. Uh, but I was started having this wonderful experience with God. I was seeing answers to prayer and just was so excited about my relationship with him. And then suddenly things stopped. And I started asking God, what, what's wrong? I don't sense you speaking to me through the Bible. You know, I, I feel like something's wrong. It took me a few days of asking before just that faint thought came. You don't care about what I show you. You don't care about what I say, what I do. I thought, yes, I do care. And, and I, I don't know why I'm having these thoughts. I, I do care. And as I started reading my Bible, God started showing me and speaking to me what was wrong. Do you know what Israel's biggest problem was? Forgot. Over and over again, it says Israel forgot what God had said. Israel forgot what God had done. Over and over it says this. And God was showing me, yes, he might do a great answer to prayer today or tomorrow, but then I forget about it. And then there's a big crisis and I'm going, oh, does God exist? You know, is he there? Does he care about me? Or he may tell me in my worship time as I'm reading, hey, what you said to Sally yesterday wasn't so nice. You need to apologize. Oh, yeah, yeah, I need to do that. But then I wouldn't do it. I'd forget about it. Maybe because I wanted to forget, you know. <laughs> it's hard to apologize. But, but what I found is if I do what God wanted me to do and write it down, it's always in your face. It's always there reminding you, oh, yes, you need to talk to Sally. You know, or remember this answer to prayer God did. It builds your faith. It encourages you that God's alive and real in your life. And in saying this, I don't sit and write long prayers because you'll never look at them again if you just got all these long words. For me, what works is to write in big capital letters the prayer request. Whatever is the burden on my heart, I'll put in big letters. And then below that, I might write a little bit more about it. Or if I'm really burdened, I might write a lot. But usually it's just briefly, just putting that request before God. And I put the date on it. And then when God answers, I'll come back and highlight it like in yellow. And maybe write in the margin or somewhere near it in red, a different color ink, the answer. And just again, keep it brief. Because if you want to write great details, you'll never do it. At least I don't. And, but, but this is life-changing for your spiritual life. And... <clears throat> but maybe God will do it different with you. You're not a writer. You don't want to write or write it. I'm not a writer either, but I still will do this. But I'm telling you, if you'll do this kind of thing, that notebook will become your testimony, your life journey. And it's incredible what God will want to do with it and how he'll use it to bless others besides you in many ways. Um, Jerry started journaling too. And, and, one time we had to share somewhere. We'd just been there in months before in that area and had spoken a lot. And now we're coming back to that area. He says, what are we going to do? We have a whole hour. 
I said, well, I don't know. Um, I said, I know. Why don't we just share the miracles God has done this last year? And Jerry said, Janet, we have a whole hour. I said, well, go read your journal. And so he goes and he reads his journal and he comes back a while long, a long time later, comes back and he's all excited. And he said, Janet, God did so many things this last year and I forgot about it. That is our problem. We forget the things God has done. You want to see more answers to prayer? You want to see God working in your life? Write down those prayer requests. Start writing down the answers. You know what else will start happening? You will start seeing blessings and surprises, things you haven't even prayed about. It may may be something you just wished on your heart. But if you're spending time every day with God and and you're writing down these things, you just start seeing so much happen. And it's just like, I said, God, why did you even do that? I only wished it in my heart. God is desperate to show us he loves us. And and you may think, you may be sitting there thinking, well, if he's so desperate, how come he doesn't answer this prayer I've got? And and on and on. Well, that's a whole nother topic. There's ways to deal with all of that too. And maybe we'll have time to, to go into that. Um, yes. You know, lots of more know those that those incredible answers to prayer. Yeah. And more incredible answers to prayer when you need incredible answers to prayer. He could write a book because he'd be writing them down his whole life. And how much more of a blessing when we're living our own incredible answers to prayer. You know, Ellen White talks about that we're most blessed by our own experiences. You know, that it changes. But God never does any of this just for you. It's for you to minister to others, whether it's one-on-one, whether it's with a lot of people or however, or to write a book. Uh, God wants to use it to, to win people to Jesus is what it's all about. But so Jerry, he loves New Year's morning, not New Year's Eve, but New Year's morning. He'll want to go to bed early saying, so get up New Year's morning. And, and in what he likes to do is go through his journal, prayer journal for the last year. And he'll go through it and read it and start highlighting and marking and page numbering it and putting in the very back uh, the highlights of, of the answers. And it becomes just a praise day for him of all the beautiful ways God has worked. And it's, it's just another part of the, that whole thing. But, but here's the other thing, too. And, and, and to me, it's talking about like in Psalm 77, where the, the writer is crying out to God, God, I can't sleep. My life is miserable. Everything's going wrong. Where are you, God? That's a prayer phase of it. But have you ever felt like that? You wonder, does God love you? Does God care about you? Where is he? Why doesn't he answer? You've cried out and cried out to him. You're devoted to him. You're living your life for him. Where is he? And like you get down, it says on down seven or eight, it says, I was so troubled I couldn't close my eyes. I couldn't sleep. But then I thought, I like the way it's worded in one particular version. It says, then I thought, I will remember, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. And that's the secret, is when life is so bad and you're so discouraged and you wonder, is God alive? Or does he care about me? Why doesn't he move in my behalf? Start remembering the ways God has worked in the past. And that's what the writer does. And he starts praising God for all the ways God has worked in the past. And and that is a a huge part of our experience with God 
is, is praising him and giving him thanks. And, but in doing that, that's why the journal is helpful because I can take my journals and say, God, remember, and I'm talking about when life is terrible and you're desperate for him to answer and he's not answering and he's totally silent and you're wondering, trouble is happening and you're wondering, God, do you not care? Where are you? To take out that journal and go back and say, God, remember what you did in August, 2014. Lord, I want to praise you. God, remember what you did in 2009 or whenever it is. God, I want to praise you for how you moved your mighty right arm in my behalf there. That may sound boring. What good does that do? But it unleashes God's faith and power in your life. When you do that, it really does and changes things. And it may not take away the problem, but it gives you victory in that whole situation. It's amazing what it does. But on the next one, number six, it says at the slightest emotional experience of his love, thank him, praise him. Thus you express faith and your awareness of him will increase joyfully. You turn it over to the next page. I just have to share it. It keeps coming to my mind here. Uh, when my sons, you know, were at home, they were younger and, you know, they're doing some behavior that just isn't good or whatever. I started, I would journal it and start writing, God, help my son with this, whatever. And, you know, sometimes by that evening, they had changed. And I think, did they read my journal? And, but I knew they hadn't. There was no way they, could, they couldn't read my handwriting anyway. It's so bad. But, but it's powerful what happens in doing that. But in the next page, he shares uh, just seven daily essentials for abiding in Christ. And we won't go through all those now, but I would encourage you to read it and even get that book by Andrew Murray uh, on abiding in Christ and, and what it'll do for you. Now, you know, I have t- talked a lot this morning and, and now talking about uh, hearing God speak. And that sometimes makes people nervous in concerning and it's not in this handout, but on the internet, I have one I put together from Ellen White's writings in the Bible on hearing God's voice. It's a handout on, under our, the title, Experiencing God Handouts. But I just want to read this one to you. It says, impressions and feelings are no sure evidence that the person is led by the Lord. Satan will, if he is unsuspected, give feelings and impressions, and he really does. Weird, strange things can happen. These are not safe guides. All should thoroughly acquaint, the, acquaint themselves with the evidence, evidences of our faith and the great study should be how they can adorn their profession and bear fruit to the glory of God. That's Testimonies, Volume 1, page 413. But also uh, number 16 on this list is impressions alone are not a safe guide to duty. Uh, so we must be careful. God does speak to us, but we need to have counselors, people we go to that we know will pray with us. If, if, if there's something you're feeling you should do, that you're feeling impressed and you're wondering if it is God or not, but it, you know, it's not something that's in the Bible. It's not in Ellen White's writings. It's a gray matter. Uh, you know what I mean? And it, it's not a definite no or yes to find someone who can be your mentor that will just pray with you, not just counsel you, but will pray with you to know God's will on a situation. For me, that's Jerry. 
But for young women, you know, some older woman who you know will, will pray and is a spiritual mentor to you, or for a young guy, a guy that uh, an older man that can minister to you. I don't know if this helps at all. If you have any questions about spending time with him, you know, you may be thinking, how am I ever going to find the time? My husband, uh, back when we were first married, uh, he had rushed his way through school and we were in our first district and he was interning under someone else and he'd so looked forward to being in, in a church. He thought he would have time, you know, to study and really prepare sermons and really get to know God and the word of the Bible. And, but the pastor he was interning under kept him so busy, literally ran him from seven in the morning till 11 o'clock at night. He would drop into bed. And this was a very, uh, happy, uh, sanguine person, very happy person. And I saw him for the first time in my life, get depressed. And I got worried because it just wasn't them and normal. And, and, um, he um, became very discouraged because he said, I thought I would have time to study and, and to, to read the Bible and pray. And instead, I worked from 7 in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. And it wasn't always church work. It was putting in a stereo set in the pastor's car or repairing stuff at his house uh, because he was very mechanical and my husband and he could do these things. And, and, um, but he got the idea that no matter, whenever he had a spare moment, he would read his Bible. He decided he'd start doing this, and he'd just carry a little Bible with him wherever he went. So if he was waiting on the other pastor or had to be, you know, waiting somehow, he would just read his Bible for a little bit and pray as he would read it. And that's the other thing is, you know, as you read the Bible, don't just read the Bible, pray as you're reading through it. Do you know what I mean? Just continually keep praying for God to lead you. You read Desire of Ages. Pray through those chapters. Don't just read them, but be praying. And how do you do that? Just as you're reading it, say, Lord, speak to me. Show me what you want me to learn through this passage. And so he was doing that. And even at the dinner table, he started reading his Bible, which, you know, it's not so good for the family, but I put up with it because he needed that time with God. And he started, kept doing this, but one night, in the middle of the night, he wakes me up. And I, he said, what do you want, Janet? I said, what do you mean, what do I want? I was sleeping. He said, but you called my name. And I said, no, I didn't call your name. I was sleeping. He said, go back to sleep. Well, the next night, he calls my name. He wake, I mean, he, he didn't call my name. He woke me up. And he said, what do you want? I said, what do you mean, what do I want? I was sleeping. He said, but you called my name. I said, no, I didn't. I was sleeping. You woke me up. And he said, I said to him then, I said, he said, but you keep calling my name. And I said, look, maybe you're Samuel. Maybe it's God, but it's not me. <laughs> Do you know, the third night, we had a water bed. So you knew when somebody got out of that bed. He gets out of the bed, and of course I'm, Ugh. But so I woke me up, but I see him tiptoeing out of the bedroom and I see him, and it must have been a full moon or something, but I could see him grab his Bible off the dresser and he goes off into another room. This is like two o'clock in the morning. Night after night after night, this kept happening. And he started having an incredible experience with Jesus.
amazing experience. You don't have time for God? You just claim that promise in Isaiah 50 verse 4. And you ask God, God, you wake me up when you want me to spend time. Lord, I need to start my day at 6 a.m. I got to be in that shower by, actually for me it's like 5 or 4. I got to be in the shower. Anytime you want before that, God, it's yours. And you got to kick me out of bed though, God, because I can't get up. You know God will do that. I, I went, when, when I was really struggling with this at first to be able to wake up, God, my little boy, Zach, the big boy now, um, Zach had a nightmare and he comes and crawls into bed between J Jerry and I. And, and he's laying there and he, he had this monkey he loved that we'd given him. It's not a real monkey. It was a stuffed monkey with a long tail. So he's laying there with this monkey under his arm, just laying on his back in, with his monkey. And so I, I drift back to sleep. And I don't know how long the time went by or what, but suddenly I sensed God was waking me up to spend time with him. And I go, oh, I can't get up. Oh, Lord, I just got to sleep. I'm so tired. I said, you've got to wake me up better than this. And I don't know how much time went by, but I'd gone back to sleep. And all of a sudden, whap! I got hit in the face with a monkey's tail. I mean, I opened my eyes. Here's this furry tail in my face. I'm going, what? And I look at Zach. Zach's still in the same position, sound asleep with that monkey. We have an angel with a sense of humor, or angels. We really do. I, had a, uh, I was sharing some stories like that, and this woman come up to me. She said, I'm from Minnesota. And, you know, we were at a retreat or something. And she says, I'm from Minnesota. And she said, God woke me up one morning because, you know, I'd asked him, wake me up early. And she said, and it was early. And she said, in Minnesota, in the wintertime, it's cold, really cold. And she says, I told God, I can't get up. It's dark. It's so cold out there. You got to do something to warm me up. You know what happened? Right then, she had a hot flash. <laughs> you know what a hot flash is? You are hot. And she just came tiring out of the bed. I can't count. Was that eight? Seven, 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 eight. Okay. Um, she came just flying out of the bed, and she had her time with Jesus. But let me tell you, this was not a woman that's in menopause. She was a young woman. God's got a sense of humor. But an another friend of mine, God woke her up, and she, oh, I, I, can't, I just can't get up this early. And she goes and to the bathroom. You know, the first thing you usually do is head to the toilet. And she's sitting on the toilet going, Oh, God, you got to wake me up better than this. I can't get up. Suddenly a mouse runs by. <laughs> she was scared to death of mice. And she just started screaming and jumped up on top of the toilet, was standing. And that not only got her wide awake, but it woke her husband up. And, and he um, then, I must have had time with Jesus too, because they're both wide awake. <laughs> But my point in all of this is, God, the angels have a sense of humor, and they will find ways to get you up. But my husband, I was sharing this with you about, um, he died. He was in a, a, just a, a swimming pool accident that happened. But before that all happened, God changed his life by waking him up and him getting up in the middle of the night, spending time with God. And he just, he started having this just amazing relationship with Jesus. I don't know how you're struggling, what's going on, but if you're, uh, you know, watching TV or surfing the internet till 
10 or 11 o'clock at night and then you ask God to wake you up early in the morning, it may not happen. You know, we need to do what we can, our part. I, I try, if I can, to get to bed earlier. But I also try to eat healthfully. Why do I do it? Not so I won't have a heart attack or, or cancer because, you know, something's going to get me in this sick world. Jerry says, you'll probably get hit by a bus or something, you know, and you've eaten healthy all those years. What good did it do you? But, <laughs> but what Jerry has said to me, Janet, it's not being healthy, you know, so you won't have a heart attack or cancer. It's being healthy so you have a clear mind so you can hear God speak to you. And it's so true. But also, being healthy, you have a better temperament. You're not as grouchy and irritable uh, when you eat healthy. And you're more loving and your whole experience with life is better. And, but also, you eat healthy and you exercise, you have more energy. You don't require as much sleep and you're able to get up early and spend that time with Jesus and love it and enjoy it. So for me, you know, if I eat a heavy, heavy meal late at night, I can't get up early in the morning. I can't keep awake. I can't enjoy it with God. But if I, I don't eat suppers but, or eat very light, then I, your stomach's rested all night and you feel like getting up and spending that time with him. It really makes a difference. So try, you know, pray that God will help you do these things so that you can get up. And, and we're told, you know, that the hours before midnight, for some reason, I don't know why, are more restful than after midnight. Hear me up, you late-nighters, because I was a late-nighter. I did not like to go to bed. I'd rather stay up till midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, and sleep in. But God has totally changed me, totally changed me to, to get up. And you know what else God will do? Like Jerry, Jerry just couldn't buy this thing of, of just having God wake you up to begin with, and he'd always set his alarm clock. You know what God started doing to him? He'd wake him up just before that alarm clock would go off, five minutes or so before. And I've had other people share this with me. And sometimes if I got to leave on a trip, I don't trust God if he's going to wake me up. So I'll set that alarm. God will always wake me up before that alarm goes off just to show me I am God. I can do it. He's so personal and incredible what he'll do. Does anybody have a questions? Am I confusing you? So what she's saying is uh, she doesn't feel we should rely on feelings. Uh, we know that we, the Satan can distort things. Right. Feelings can come. Feelings can go. I'm repeating it because we're being recorded. Our reliance has to be on the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that, understand that. Um, but, you know, growing up in the Adventist church, I, I feel that we have for too many years totally made it an unfeeling religion uh, that we're totally um, you know no we may not have any joy or feeling I, if you want to help me answer this or Zach you want to help me uh, um, there is feeling there is a love relationship with God but it's I, I said this morning when we did the panel uh, I went through a dry time for a while probably a year ago and and I realized during that time I said, God, if you never show your feeling toward me again, if you never show your love, I will continue to serve you and obey you, no matter what. And I think it needs to be at that point. But it does not mean there will not be feeling and love relationship. And I'm not saying that, yeah. you know, I'm not saying that, that our, our experience will always be devoid of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. 
It can't be the basis, you're right. But the same is true with the marriage, okay? In other words, um, we, we commit ourselves unconditionally to love each other, and, and the, you know, this, I mean, I always feel tremendously romantic to a third, but, you know, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know, it's not always feelings in a marriage either, that you still have the relationship. But on the other hand, I think we ought to build the emotional, you know, and, and the affection, and, and I need to appreciate when she's affectionate to me. And, you know, so I think there's something about our having that relationship with Jesus that I want to know better, where I actually uh, thank him for every little special thing he does for me, because he does these little special things. And I think that builds just like it does in a marriage. I really appreciate it when you treat me that way. Yeah. But we understand but, what you're yeah. saying. No, there's a danger. We need to be careful, yeah. It's, yeah. Different note, you know, I found seven places in the Bible where patriarchs ask forgiveness for somebody else's sin in the little thing, the situation for them. And it's Moses, Job, Jesus, Stephen, Solomon, Nehemiah, Daniel. Daniel. And so, if we pray for the forgiveness of somebody else's sin, because they're forgiven, like these great groups of prayer warriors in the Bible. That's really good. Thank you for sharing that. She just shared about seven different patriarchs in the Bible, uh, praying for God to forgive people for things and how we can do that and it brings healing in those relationships. Maybe, I don't know, you may not be comfortable praying together in twos or, or would you be? Um, okay, in two minutes, could you just pray for each other? If you're not comfortable praying out loud with somebody, that's okay. Just, you know, don't do it. Or ask the person next to you to pray for both of you. It's okay. But if you are comfortable, just say a quick prayer for each other for them to have a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's so important to pray for that every day in our lives and, and for God to make their, their devotional life just come more and more alive for them, deeper. Father, we, we just thank you that you're such a personal, loving God. And I thank you, Father, for these precious people. I thank you that you have blessed them and you will even more in their lives as they spend that time with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org. Dot org.